and thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of Code with Kingy, where for this show, I'm joined by my friend Matthew Twart, and we have put together our North and South Island teams based off of what we saw in Super Rugby Aotearoa. Enjoy. All right, well, thank you very much, Matthew, for joining me again on Code with Kingy. Uh, like any time I have a chat with you about Code, it's always a good time, and I expect nothing less from what hopefully isn't too long this time round. Um, hopefully we can bang it out depending on each one of us maybe dragging out our points, um, trying to sound a lot smarter than we actually are. But yeah, um, I know that you've just returned uh, to Wellington having spent a bit of time up in Auckland and you're in the isolation. So it's good to have you back, man. And um, good to see that you've got a bit of freedom up your hands now. Thank you, mate. Yeah, good to be back in the in the big wide world. Um, yeah, as you're saying, I've, I've kind of gone through a little bit over the past three weeks or so. So yeah. Uh, Good to get out of quarantine, and then good to run away from Auckland once they got put into level three. So no, I'm uh, I'm I'm about as free as can be down here in Wellington in level two. So I'm enjoying my time so far. Yeah, how good. Well, um, I guess the the point of this show, or the reason why I've got you on, is we've both compiled our north and south teams, and I know that the teams came out earlier in the week, but I thought we'd do something a little bit different. Um, obviously, they've only had the the choice to pick players that are available for the next week or week and a half but I guess when I was having a talk to you I thought we'd perhaps go about it a different way and pick players who might not be available for next week's game but who we thought were deserving of spots in both the North and South team Mm. Um, and because obviously there's been a lot of talk around the the eligibility and which players are playing where and because it can be so so hard to track down we're just going to pick our strongest 15 from both islands so as always I think we'll start from the top uh, which is the North Island obviously and yeah we'll start in the front row so I'll throw the mic over to you and you can name out the big boppers that you've got starting for, for the mighty North. <laughs> the big dogs doing the damage yeah so um, I think I think Lucy was a pretty weak spot for the North so we'll start there I've gone with Aidan Johnston from the, the Highlanders uh, originally from the, the North Island Kato Nukawafi was kind of close, but I think um, yeah, Aiden Johnston gets the nod. He's been pretty consistent for the Landers all year, and uh, just yeah, it seems to be pretty good at scrum time. Hooker, there's another niggly one. Like I've I've gone with Dane Coles, but I'm not stoked about it. Like he's he's been you know he's had his patches. Um, Safa Amor has also been like really good in spells when he's been given the chance. Even Ash Dixon, um, he's had a good, especially over Super Rugby Aotearoa. He's been pretty impressive so yeah Colsey at hooker and then offer to him a fussy at uh at tight head I'll be pretty surprised if you don't have him there as well no I have gone with offer I'm a bit on the fence with him now I know that he has taken his game into another level and he is arguably the biggest hitter in, in New Zealand rugby at the moment but for me like he does have a tendency to give away stupid penalties and mm-hmm. he, he, he might have cut them down and or he has cut them down in terms of his, his disciplinary issues, but um, I'm sort of going to have to sort of wait out and see how it goes at the test level because especially at last year's World Cup, I think even when he was coming off the bench, he was averaging close to one and a half penalties a game, which isn't what yeah, you right. want from your substitutes. But 
again, it's a new year, and 2020 has been a crazy year, so maybe we're <laughs> up for um, some sort of crazy change in off his game. But at hooker, yeah, it was it, it was a bit of a mixed bag. I, I can see where you're going with having picked Colsey. Um, I mean, you can just tell straight away when the Hurricanes are playing that there's a lift when Colsey's on the field, and that's the sort of mana that he holds. But I'm actually going to go for the guy you mentioned last, and Ash Dixon. Now, he is a bit of an elder statesman, and I don't think there's any chance he gets a look in at the All Blacks unless there is some injuries. But I just think he's been he's been awesome. And the fact that he has usurped Leon Colkman, who was uh, a hooker at last year's World Cup, is just telling of the work that he's obviously been doing at training. And, and it was always a funny thing to me with that Highlanders group, the fact that Ash Dixon was a captain but from the bench. Mm. I, I, that That is... A, a bit weird like when, when you sort of think about it or, or take it at face value but again I think that's just um, an indication of the sort of guy that he is and the respect that he has of that playing group down south and yeah I think especially on the weekend with his with his try and just just his line out work he's just he's just money and I think yeah, like a lot of other he's got to be the best uh, line out thrower in the country I think it's it's pretty obvious eh? yeah he's, yeah yeah definitely at the moment he's yeah. just so clean you, you barely ever see him even you know, throw on not straight or throw it off off the mark, away from the hands or anything. Like he's he's so good. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned before, I'm not sure he's going to get a look in at the All Blacks, but he's sort of one of those feel good stories where you'd like to see him just get like the one cap, you know, just like to yeah to have that sort of thing. I guess for sure. I mean, CV. yeah, like he's made Liam Coltman an afterthought this year, I think, which is which is a pretty good achievement in its own. But yeah, to to get a, a All Black cap would be pretty good to see. I think. Mm-hmm. And then at loose head, I've actually gone for Big Carl, and I do have a bit of a soft spot for him. I, I can get why you picked Aiden Johnson, and it was funny when I was talking to my old fella for the podcast just gone, he was actually yeah. raving about his, his ball skills for a big fella. He's actually quite silky. Now, he has gone through his ups and downs with the scrummaging. I thought he held his own against one of the best scrummagers in the competition in Tyrell Lomax last week. Now, I'm not sure mm. whether or not that was a case of the Hurricanes maybe not playing to their potential or, or not having like maybe the correct attitude because I did feel like that game was a bit helter-skelter um, because, sure. it, because it was a dead rubber. But no, Aiden Johnson has come a long way, I, I guess, since the, the pre-COVID Super Rugby. I know that their type five struggled a hell of a lot. And um, yeah, just, just as the year gone has gone on, I think there's a few boys you can pick out within that Highlanders team that have just grown leaps and bounds come sure. the end of Super Rugby Aotearoa and yeah so again he's he's been included in the in the squad for the team that was named midweek but for me I've, I've, I've again I've got that soft spot for Big Carl and uh, yeah I, I think he's sort of taken his his carrying up a level I know that there was one of the hindrances from him making that World Cup team last year the fact that he wasn't as mobile as some of the other big boys rolling around but I think I just got to give a bit of credit to him and the the, the way that that Blues four pack was humming uh, towards the back end of the, the Super Rugby Aotearoa season, especially the job they did down in Dunedin. I think what was it in round eight? Yeah, so that rounds out my my starting front row. But then into the tall timber. Tall timber. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'm actually in, I'm going to let you go again first because I'm like like I mentioned to you over the text. I'm, well, this was a Lock was a position that I thought there was a bit of a <laughs> scarcity to him. Um, so I've actually done um, a bit of rejigging. So, yeah, I'll, Ooh, I'll, I'll, let you, I'll let you go first. All righty. Here we go. Um, well, I've 
I've kept things pretty traditional here. I think Patrick Tuipulotu is uh, about as close to a lock as what you could get in the selection. And joining him in the second row, I've gone with Isaiah Walker-Leawiri. Didn't get a lot of game time, especially towards the end of Super Rugby Aotearoa. I think he had a bit of a niggle. But um, I think he's been great all year, especially earlier in the year when it was you know, the proper Super Rugby competition. He's kind of taken over that Sam Lousy mould and is just you know, like a real strong tackler, tries to hold guys up heaps and good in the line out, can carry the ball well enough. I think he's um, he's well on his way to being a real good good lock and hopefully in the All Blacks in a couple of years. What have you made of Patrick Tuipulotu's season as a whole? I know that towards the back end of that pre-COVID competition, he was really coming into his own and hmm. physically enforcing himself on the game. And he's probably one of, been one of the driving forces behind the change in the culture for the team for yeah. Auckland. So, yeah. yeah, I think that's like that's one of the you know, most impressive parts of it all is like the leadership. Like it's you can really see in the game. Like he's always talking. His, you know, his defence is great. His ball running is, has, has always been really good and it's stayed really good. But I think you know, that, that was kind of expected. But it's all the other things that he does now, like defensively, and he makes a lot of tackles as well, gets around the park well. So I think he's um, probably been the, the best lock in New Zealand this year, I'd say. No, no I, I can't disagree with that. Um, as for me, I, I've gone with Patrick Tuipulotu as well. I think yeah, you'd be stupid not to include him. Arguably, uh, if you were to put the North and South team together, I, I think he's one of the first names on the team list, considering the form that he's been carrying throughout Super Rugby Aotearoa. But mm. at lock, um, now, he, now he didn't—he actually only played the one game. But considering he did play in it, um, I, th- I thought that made him eligible. And I've actually gone with Tom Robinson from the Blues. Ah, I, I've shifted him from yes. six. To lock now, I had to go back and check his height because I remember the the last podcast we did in terms of picking our All Blacks from the pre-COVID uh, Super mm. Rugby. You know, I know there was a bit of discussion around height and especially to do at lineout time because it's always nice to just have as many lineout options as possible in your four pack. And he's actually close to two meters. He well, Wikipedia says that he's one nine seven, which is yeah quite handy. I guess at the that lock does position, the job. You know? Yeah, we'll the, do that. The, the taller, the better. But yeah, I really like the way that he plays. He was one of the bolters uh, before he got injured last year for the Blues. He was probably one of the, mm. one of only a handful of players that actually had a decent run of form in what was another torrid Blues Super Rugby season. And yeah, I, I, I like the look of him. And I think that if he can string together a bit of consistency, because, you know, as the saying goes, the best ability is availability. So if he, if he can shore up his body, and stay on the paddock and perform like some of the flashes that he's shown, I think he's another one that could be right in the mix, given his his ability to play both uh, lock and blindside. And one of the other guys that I wanted to give a mention, and I have no idea what's gone on uh, with his play or why he hasn't been playing, and that's Vifa Fida. He's mm. for... You know, a guy that's been involved in the All Black setup. Now, I know he didn't go to last year's World Cup, and there's been a lot of talk about his, I guess, his lack of grunt work and his his eagerness to, you know, stick his head in dark places. But yeah, he's sort of become a bit of an afterthought with the Hurricanes. Now, I don't know whether that's because he's been carrying a niggle and he's looking to shore that up before he throws himself back into action, but when you think about the the resurgence of the Hurricanes and all the work that they put in and the attitude that they showed over the last month and a bit in Super Rugby Aotearoa, 
he wasn't even a part of that. And you'd find that hard to believe, you know, like if you, if you were talking about that team as a whole and, and you were talking to somebody who didn't follow Super Rugby Aotearoa but, but knew about the Hurricanes, he would probably be one of the only notable forwards outside of the likes of, of Artie Sevilla. Um, I know that guys like Dupasi yeah. Karifi and James Blackwell and Asafo Amora have come along, but yeah, it's um, I'm, I'd be keen to know what's what's going on with him, eh? Yeah, I, that's that's a really good point. Actually, I didn't even think about him when I was going to pick my team. But I, if I remember correctly, I think he was like bracketed on the bench in one of the Hurricanes' last few games, and then like never actually made it on there. I think like Devin Flanders ended up playing or something. So I suppose that indicates that he's like been injured and has you know failed to prove he was fit on the day or something. But yeah, it is really weird. And I'll, I'll go on a little bit of like a rant here because. This is one of the really annoying things about rugby union, especially in New Zealand. Like, how many injuries are out there that fans just don't know about? Like, you see a team list, and then there'll be someone not named, and then like, there's nothing in the media release or any articles about their injury or what you know what's stopping them from being selected. And it just seems to be so secretive. Like, there's no, doesn't seem to be a lot of transparency. Whereas NBA, NFL, even NRL, you know, there's all sorts of injury reports about what's going on with the players. So just a little gripe of mine that I thought I'd bring up there because it's a pretty good, pretty good example of it. You know, a former All Black who no one really knows what's going on with them. No, I have a very similar attitude and I think that carries over to a lot of things, um, especially to do with the marketing of the games as well and the press conferences and, and the media's access to players. And I think the, although there's obviously a perception that journalists are out to get players or can, can misconstrue answers to questions I, I feel like that it, it's a it's a relationship that needs to be worked at from both ends I feel like if there's no mm. sort of give and take from the player side or from the team side that this relationship will never get mended I don't think you can solely put it on the media um, and then yeah like, like you said with um with the likes of injuries or even just player updates um, I know that even like if a guy gets dropped, even the coaches aren't all that straight up. And, and I get that, you know, depending on, you know, what, what's what gone on to, into that decision. Sometimes it, it is solely between the player and the coach. But, yeah, with stuff like injuries, it would just be nice as a, as a fan, like you said, to just know what's going on. Um, exactly. But, yeah, again, like maybe it's one of those situations where they're using an injury as cover for him not being up to par with what the, the coaches expect or maybe just not the flavour of the month. I don't know. Maybe there's yeah, been some sort of stuff going on in-house. But, yeah, yeah, it would be just nice to have some sort of update across all the teams, really, because like you said, the NRL does a, does a really, really good job of it in terms of updating the team list and the injury ward. But, yeah, as you mentioned, it's it's been something that's, I guess, existed forever within within the New Zealand rugby union, you know, a lack of transparency and I don't see it changing anytime soon. Yeah, but yeah, if we keep going down that, that track, you know, we'll we'll just keep waffling on and um <laughs> uh, I, I don't think anybody from nothing. New Zealand rugby union listens to Code with Kingy, but but if they do, you know, feel free to pass this rant on to the powers that be and then, yeah, <laughs> hopefully something stems from it. But in the meantime, I will jump into my loose forward trio. We're at Blindside, I have gone with Lachlan Bushier. Now, I know that he is really a specialist seven, even with the way he plays, but I think that he's a big enough body to stick in that sixth role. And then 
just to round out my loose forwards, I, I think these other two guys complement the way that, that Lachlan plays. And those two are at seven, Adi Sevilla. And then at number eight, Hoskins Satutu. Have you gone with something similar? Nice. Um, no. Kind of. Kind of, actually. So, blindside, I've gone with Akira Ioane. I thought he'd been really good since he's been given another crack at, at starting in the, kind of the, the latter half of Super Rugby Aotearoa, maybe just before that. Um, I think he's been just so solid, really consistent, which is what he'd previously struggled with. Uh, then, open side, I've gone Lachlan Bushier. I mean, yeah, I kind of agree with you. You can pretty much chuck him at six or seven. It doesn't really matter. He's he's big enough to, to do both jobs. And I think you can't really leave him off, given how good of a season he's had. And then number eight, I've gone Big Artie, which was a bloody tough call, to be honest. Like I never would have thought that a year ago that, that I was kind of debating Artie Severa in a North Island loose forward trio. But Hoskins Satutu and also Marino uh, Michele too as well down at the, the Highlanders. Another really good option at eight, but I think it's pretty pretty hard to go past Hardy. Not only off his recent form, but you know, just off him as everything we know of him. Mm-hmm. Now I've banged on about this a, a couple of times over the course of Super Rugby Aotearoa. But what are your thoughts around Sam Kane and I, I guess his captaincy again? Like for for anyone who's listening to this, that's listened to the the preview and recap podcast, they'll, they'll know my thoughts on it. But I thought it would be a good idea to perhaps get get your thoughts on him, you know, and I guess the decision by Ian Foster to have him picked as the, the All Blacks captain, I yeah. guess, so early in the year with, with so much uncertainty. Yeah, I think that was a massive mistake, really. I think they were just, you know, NZ Rugby and the All Blacks was trying to get some form of news out there, so they announced this captaincy of Sam Kane, which, you know, it was bizarre at the time, and now that we've got a, a season under our belts, after that, I think it looks just even more bizarre. Like, he's great defensively, but I think that's about it. I don't know what he's like as a leader, obviously. I can't speak about that. But other areas of the park, like, there's, he's so far behind the, the modern-day flanker or, you know, the modern-day loose forward. So I didn't even consider him in this, to be honest. I had, like, Dalton Papali'i as the only other guy that I haven't talked about that I considered in this Lucy section. So... I don't know what that says about him. And I, and I don't dislike him or anything. I think he probably gets too much criticism for for how he plays. Like, he's not a bad player by any means. He's just not what he once was and not what you'd expect of a typical all-black captain. No, and I think that's a problem. I thought the the fact that they'd gone out and, and picked their captain without actually having seen a hell of a lot of them this year. And, and if you go back to the biggest game of that four-year cycle, which was last year's World Cup semi-final against England, the guy mm. didn't even start. Uh, yeah, now, exactly. I, now, I know they've invested a lot of time into him. I know that he was... I mean, he captained the All Blacks at the 2015 World Cup against Namibia, for those of you who are, who are geeks like me that remember, I guess, <laughs> insignificant stuff like that. And so he's obviously got some sort of leadership ability. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been included in that group at such a young age. And... In a lot of ways, I think it's almost Ian Foster being stubborn because, you know, he was a part of that Steve Hansen era and he sort of just continued on from that. And I think, that, like, like I just mentioned before, the fact that they've invested so much time into him that it you know, it would almost be, um, I guess, cruel in a way to not let him get a crack. But, yeah, 
I'm just yeah, I was I was pretty skeptical of just having it come out and, and like you said, maybe it was just to get a bit of content out there and um, you know, this this call was gonna it was more a matter of when than if. And and the fact that COVID hit and there was gonna be so much uncertainty around whether or not we're gonna get rugby back full stop, that maybe that was just, you know, they they looked to get it um over and done with as quickly as possible. But yeah, um Sam Kane definitely got nowhere near I guess the the top tier of, of Lucy's that I was picking from for this North team, but anyway, um, we'll we'll, we'll kick on to the back. So, and who have you picked at halfback? Yeah, so the one and only uh, Aaron Smith here. I don't think there'll be too much uh, debate in the selection, Kingy. No, yeah, I think that he was. Well, he was. Well, he wasn't. Uh, Richie Moanga was the MVP of Super Rugby Aotearoa, but I thought that Aaron Smith wasn't that far behind. He's he was just on another level. Um, he was so good. Highest. I don't think I've ever seen him play as consistently good this year as any other year in his career. He was just amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, this is going to be, this might be a bit of hyperbole, but I don't think I've ever seen one player have so much influence over one team. Like, can you imagine yeah. if, you know, and, and again, like, I don't mean this as a slight, but can you imagine if that Hollanders team had Kane Hamilton at halfback, or imagine if they, even if they had TJ Pedernada or yeah. Brad Weber, that team yeah, would yeah. still be you know light years away from what they are with Aaron Smith. I think that's just a, a testament to how good of a player he is. And I do know that they revolve a lot of their attack around him. And you know, like why wouldn't you when you've got a pass as good as that as you, at your disposal as a coach? But yeah, he, he really has taken it to, to another level, not only with his passing, um, but with his running and even yep. his kicking. It, and it's, I guess it just bodes well for the All Blacks should we get some test rugby sooner rather than later. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to see how his All Black form is. Your mm-hmm. first five? Uh, so my first five for the North Island team is a fella that has become a bit of an afterthought uh, with his out-of-position play or the fact that people have been playing him out of the first five jersey, and that's Bowden Barrett. Yeah, I still do think he's a he's a first five that has been playing fullback, and the only reason he's been playing fullback was to accommodate Richie Moanga and just how great he was at Super Rugby. But even outside of Bowden, though, I, I really struggled to think of another first five to fill that that ten void. But you know, Barrett's a superstar, and you know, like they say, um, form is temporary, uh, but class is permanent. Too right, too right. No, yeah, I've gone with Bodie as well. I mean, it's it's been pretty inflated as to how bad he's played this year. But that's not even right. Like he hasn't played bad at all. He just hasn't been breaking the line with every second carry he makes. Yes, you know, that's like it's what we've kind of become used to him doing because he's just been that good. And yeah, it's fair to say he hasn't been as good as as his best, but he's still a bloody good player and uh, yeah, very deserving first five for the North Island and, and hopefully he gets a, a decent crack there for the All Blacks as well but yeah, Richie has obviously been very good as well Yeah, I, I think it will be tough and I do think Richie will get that first opportunity at, at, at the 10 jersey but yeah, it's it's not like you know if Moanga doesn't take that opportunity that you're like, oh shit, you know who's going to fill that void because we do have Bowden Barrett right there but cracking onto the midfield though at 12 I've gone with the uh, the biggest tweets that we have available. Uh, <laughs> and um and the one and only Nani Lamapi. Um now unfortunately he did break his arm, but towards 
the back end or well, that Blues game really that was I guess his coming out moment and even for himself when he had that uh, pretty emotional post-game talk with old mate Joe Wheeler where he said that there are a few people being a bit disrespectful to him and yeah. probably d- discrediting his game given the lack of punch that he had in the opening rounds of the competition. I think he really became the, uh, I guess, the, what am I what am I looking for here? I've got so many words going through my head right now to try and describe Nani because <laughs> you can describe him in so many different ways. But I'll settle on best, I, I guess. I, I guess he was the, the best second five, in my opinion, at the end or I, I guess towards the, the latter stage of Super Rugby Aotearoa. And I've actually gone with Rico Iwani in the midfield. Now, I was a bit sceptical of having Iwani play at centre, given his his form on the wing and his tendency to just tuck the ball under his arm, especially with one hand as well. Like if, if, for, all the, yeah. for all the youngsters out there who watch him, although he is brilliant, he doesn't actually put the ball in two hands like I guess I'm, I'm used to seeing with the likes of a, a Jack Goodhue Elena Brown, even going back to, you know, one of my favourite players, Conrad Snakey Smith. But he's actually shown that he's actually got really, really good ball skills for a guy who's spent a lot of time on the wing at the first class level. But yeah, those are my um my one two punch outside of the pivot. Who have you gone with? Yeah, no, I've I've gone the exact same there. I think yeah, Nani, you you pretty much said all, all we need to say about him. He's been so good this year and he's just so destructive. Uh, Rico Ioani as well. He's been he's been really good. I was also skeptical about how I was going to go in the midfield, like you know he'd, we'd seen that in the past. And obviously these were years when the Blues were garbage. But he, you know, Ioani as well, just seems to have stepped up and he's he's been really good at, at centre this year. So and I'm pretty excited to see him get a bit of a crack there in this North game. Assuming uh, assuming the coaches are listening and putting pen to paper with these team lists. One hundred percent. How about your back three? Yeah, so on the wings, uh, Caleb Clark and Severi Reese there. That's a pretty bloody exciting duo, I think. And fullback, again, just to just to reiterate, this is off form. I'm going with Mitch Hunt. Mm, interesting. I think um, Damian McKenzie is is the obvious choice there. But, you know, it's only been, what, three weeks or something that Mitch Hunt's been at fullback. But I mean, he's been, been really good out at fullback. Like, obviously, he's been popping in first receiver, like, for a good chunk of those players as well. But he's kind of shown some some toe and some some ball carrying ability that I didn't really know he had, or at least, you know, he didn't really get too many opportunities to show off when he was playing first five for so many games and, you know, coming off the bench for the Crusaders or, you know, for those seasons he didn't didn't really get a proper nudge. But no, those going off form, I've got I've got my boy Mitch Hunt there at fullback over D Mac. I just think D Mac has been pretty mediocre. Yeah, I, I, I guess I'll, I'll kick on with, with your point made about Damien. I think he's been one of the victims of that that horror season. I, I, I don't think we can put it any, or I don't think we can't not put it not lightly. Does that make sense? I hope mm. that made sense. Again, I've got so many words going through my head at the moment. You know, I'm just trying to tee up how I'm going to best describe uh, the rest of this North Island team and uh, before we get into the South Island, but. Yeah, he he has really been struggling to perform. I did pick him at fullback uh, for my team, um, partly because of bias. He, he's one of my favourite players to watch, and I think that he's one of those guys where, I, again, you know, like uh, I'm torn. I, I am contradicting myself here because I, I did say that you know, I was going to pick this team on form. And on form, like you said, Mitch Hunt has really come into his own 
these last couple of weeks. Um, I, I don't not like him as a first five, but I think that the fact that they've got Iwani there to help steer the ship mm. and he's having to perhaps not make as many crucial decisions because at fullback you have a bit more time on the ball and you can sort of pick and choose when you come into first receiver that he's shown off his his flariness because he does like to, to, to have a crack and maybe chance his arm a little bit more than what you'd normally see at the first five position. And yeah, like that that try that he scored on the weekend where he um who who did he burn off? Um well he he, he beat Geordie Barrett to the line, but then he, he oh he beat yeah. J- Jackson Garden Bashup. Now I'm not too sure how how quick Jackson is, but you know, but to to, to outpace Geordie is and you know is is no mean feat. And yeah, like I did think about Mitch Hunt, but yeah, I think sort of personal bias got in the way with Damian McKenzie and, and the fact that McKenzie had shown flashes of his own brilliance throughout the the eight Chiefs games that he played in. Um, I know I brought up a stat earlier in the week that he was the only player to play every single minute in eight games. Now, unfortunately, the Blues yeah, right. didn't get their opportunity to play their eighth game uh, this past Sunday because of the COVID thing, and we would have had a few more players. I think Bowden Barrett had a missed a minute for the Blues, and I think there might have been uh, maybe one or two across the rest of the Blues teams, but... Yeah, I don't know. I guess I just I just have this um this love for Damian McKenzie, you know, almost like a what, what, what's the man love think... called again? Like a man crush. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, but you, you you do make um a great point in that you know like um we were meant to pick these teams off form, and if you look at the the fullbacks that you had available to you, I don't think anybody ended Super Rugby Aotearoa on a higher note than Mitch Hunt. Yeah, I think you know the, this this game is has. Definitely got a bit of a all-star game kind of feel to it. So on that front, I mean, you, you couldn't ever look past Damien McKenzie. Like, he's probably one of the most popular players in the country. So I'd be very surprised if he doesn't get the start of the North team when the game does come around. Oh, well, we're up to our South Island teams. And because you went with your team, or you went with your front row the first time around, why don't I start us off this time around? Uh, I don't know why I said that twice. Um, but uh, at loose head, I've gone with the old reliable... Joe Moody, um, there is a bit of a scarcity, like like you mentioned earlier, um, at, at the Lucy position, um, outside of Joe, um, and I'm and I'm not sure how to feel about that going forward because I think he is he, he is sort of getting a bit long in the tooth, but um, for now he he's doing a job and he's doing a bloody good job. Um, at hooker, I've gone with the Hotafanua Carpety product, Cody Taylor. Now surprisingly, his lineout work wasn't all that sharp. Or well, ha- no. has it hasn't been as sharp as, as what you'd expect from a member of the Crusaders Type Five, and you, you, I guess you can't put all of the blame on him because um, you know the, the jumper's got to jump to get the ball as well. But yeah, hopefully that's just I don't know. I guess a, a rare bit of um, dip in form. I guess for a guy who's been consistently performing at such a high level for, for such a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, they've, they've won the last four Super Rugby titles. And then rounding out my team at tight head is Tyrell Lomax. Who have you gone with? Uh, surprise, surprise. I've gone with the, the same front row there. I think they're all pretty standout selections. Probably not a lot of room for debate. Maybe Nipple Laulala um, might sneak into some people's starting front row, but no, I think those are three three pretty safe picks there. Yeah, and I guess like 
with any Chiefs player that we're going to go on to mention, it's, it's sort of hard to pick them off that argument of form because as a team, they, they weren't all that great. And, it, and it's pretty hard to stand out when a team is going so poorly. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, on to the locks. Or oh, You can't go past Sam Whitelock for me. Yep. You know, 100 plus tests. I don't, I don't know how many Super Rugby titles he's won. He's a, he's a two-time World Cup champion. And yeah, I guess his game speaks for itself. Now, uh, like I mentioned before, the the set piece work wasn't as sharp as what you'd expect from a Crusaders team, but they they did actually lose a lot of experience after last year's World Cup cycle, and maybe that was a, a big reason why. You know, because he only got included in that Crusaders group after COVID, because of course he had his deal over in Japan, and maybe it was just about you know sort of figuring out the timings, you know, with all the new boys. But yeah, I, I think towards you know, at the end of the competition, he'd, he'd really found his feet and really started to show uh, his experience and his nous having been around the game for so long. But yeah. as his locking partner, I have gone with Putty Putty Parkinson. Now, mm. he, again, like I'm, I'm going to keep reiterate, reiterating this, you know, towards the back end of the competition, he, he really started to throw his weight around. And for such a sort of like gangly dude, because because he, he is so bloody long, you know, like I almost feel yeah. like you know he's he's so, he's got such a big target area for some of the big hitters to to get him in with a clean one. But no, he's actually winning a, a lot of the contact when he's carrying, and he's he's shown a, a deft ability to, to, to slip an offload away. And after Josh Dixon went down, which did take their lineout back a couple of steps, I thought that he again came into his own and really started to command from his hooker and you know and from his lineup lifters to get him up so that way he could feed the backs some nice clean ball. But that's my tall timber for the South Island team. Who have you gone with? Yeah, also uh, obviously gone with Sam Whitelock for, for my first selection there. Putty Putty Parkinson was, was super close, but I did go with Josh Dixon for my second lock. But yeah, I, I completely agree. Like Josh Dixon was, was so good earlier this year, especially in the lineup. Um, he made everything seem to stick, but then you can't really take away anything from Putty Putty Parkinson because you know when Dixon did go down, he was he was that good. Like I don't want to compare him to Brody Italic too much, but I think he has like a fair few similarities there, where he's like you know, not not bulky by any means, but he manages to just like you know have effective carries and like makes pretty good contact in his tackles and does lineouts well. Like he's yeah he's pretty encouraging. So. Yeah, he was like unlucky to miss out on my starting team, but yeah, Whitelock and Dixon are the, the locks for me. I like it. I like it. What about your loose forward trio? Yeah, so another another tough one, I think. Um, Shannon Frizzell was my clear picket at blindside. Moving on from there, though, the choices were, were okay, but no standout. So I did settle with Tom Christie open side, and then Cullen Grace at number eight, which is somewhat controversial. Um, Dylan Hunt did get a good look in for open side. Same with Gareth Evans at number eight. But, yeah, Frizzell, Christie, Grace and my Lucy's. I've actually, oh, I do have a, I do have um, one difference, uh, that being Dylan Hunt. I've picked him at open side ahead of Tom Christie. I've just been really impressed with his form as of late. Uh, my old man actually laughed at me when I, when I called him a poor man's Matt Todd. But 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 I do stand <laughs> but I do stand by that, um, because I I did really rate 
Matt Todd as a player, and and I, yeah. and I do rate Dylan Hunt as a player as well, but I just I, I wouldn't quite put them in the same echelon. But Dylan yeah. Hunt still has plenty of life in him, or, or plenty of rugby left in him, especially here in Aotearoa. So that's not to say that he can't reach the feet to Matt Todd or, or even exceed them. At blindside, I've gone with Cullen Grace, and then at number eight, I've gone with Shannon Frizzell. And, and there we go. I think that obviously, like the. I guess the difference would be, you know, when you're packing down a scrum, you, you're having Cullen carry off the back in comparison to me having Shannon. But, yeah, I, I think that between those two, they, they'd probably strike a healthy balance of, you know, I guess, like, sort of complementing each other well. And it almost wouldn't matter what number they had on their back. Yeah. I, think, I think if you're going to play them both, um, they're, they're both uh, line-out options of both have shown an ability to, to be disruptors. I know especially towards the start of the season, and even pre-COVID, Cullen Grace just made himself a real nuisance at line-out time. And I think that's something yeah, that, that, was we unreal. Could, that we could really need or that we desire as All Black fans to just, just have someone in there, you know, to disrupt the, the likes of a, a South African or an English mall or, you know, not even allow them to, to get to the mall because um, exactly. we, we'd stop them getting the ball in. But, yeah, on um, just a quick note from me on Shannon Frizzell, I mean, that guy's been absolutely unbelievable he's given us confidence that he can fill that void at six which went amiss at last year's world cup we we, we really haven't mm. had an enforcer since jerome kind you can mention the likes of maybe a liam squire but liam yep. probably wasn't as dynamic as what jerome was and what shannon could potentially be so yeah fingers crossed that this isn't a flash in the pan um similar to what we may have seen out of the likes of a, of a Via Fafita, a fellow yeah, Tongan. Yeah, but, exactly. But yeah, I, I think the, the difference between those two and some of the other sixes going around is just, yeah, the brute force that, that, that Frizzell plays with because to, to knock back the likes of a, a Jack Goodhue and a, um, an Adi Sevilla, I mean, I, you know, I, I couldn't even dream of doing that, but, you know, like he was <laughs> doing that, you know, week in, week out. So, yeah, yeah a lot of confidence in him. Yeah, no, he had a crack over a Super Rugby Aotearoa, so no, he's uh, pretty much a lock, I think. Uh, at halfback, I have gone with, now this may be a little bit controversial, Mitch Drummond. I'm excited for this. Ooh, Mitch Drummond. Okay, I thought you were now, getting hey, down another uh, avenue there when you are saying a little bit controversial. Now, yeah, like, I guess the obvious choice, considering his, his all-black experience, would have been Brad Weber because mm-hmm. he actually started his career at Otago or with Otago. But again, he was another one that really struggled for form in, 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 a, um, in a struggling chief side. And although Bryn Hall gets the starts or most of the starts down in the Garden City, I'm, I'm just a really big fan of Mitchell Drummond. I, I like the way he plays. I like the impact that he brings when he comes from the bench. And yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't really put it any other way. I, I, I think that... Scott Robinson has has um, struck a, a perfect formula or struck a perfect balance within mm-hmm. the squad, and yep. Mitchell Drummond's shown that he's willing to put the team first and come on and do a job with you know at the most half an hour to go and you know and at the littlest with fifteen to go. So yeah, and he Bryn Hall I thought maybe had taken a step back this year in comparison to what we'd seen from him over the past couple of seasons, but, but Mitchell Drummond, you know, like, and a lot of those games where it's been quite tight, you know, I, I think of the two 
uh, Crusaders, Highlanders clashes, and, and even the Blues mm-hmm. clash down down in Christchurch at Orange Theory Stadium. It was the bench that really got the the Crusaders home, as well as Richie Moore. Yeah. Because um, yeah, that that yeah, that, 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 that guy was an absolute yeah, that guy was an absolute freak. But but yeah, I, I think that you know, the, my six man, you know, if, if there was an award for it for for Super Rugby Aotearoa, um, would have definitely gone to Mitchell Drummond. But that's just me yeah. and my opinion. So I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see who you've picked at Scrum Half. Yeah, well, uh, I've also gone away from Brad Weber, but not Mitchell Drummond. I've gone for Finley Christie. Um, the, yeah, I thought he was just bloody good for the Blues. Like Sam Nock, I was a massive fan of him going into the season. I'm not sure what happened there. I don't know if he got injured or just fell out of favour or something, but along come, comes Finlay Christie, and I thought he was just so good. You know, his um, support played really good. I thought his delivery was was pretty solid, and just you know, defensively as well. He always seems to make his tackles, which is um, just a, an added bonus, I suppose, for, for halfbacks around the show. So, yeah, I've gone for the redhead there, Finlay Christie. Yeah, and he's definitely feisty, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not using that to, <laughs> to um, I guess, buy into any generalisations that, that come with redheads, but no, he... He's um he's not a big bugger, but he certainly gets stuck into things, and he throws himself into contact both with ball in hand, and without it. But I guess cracking onto the first five, I don't think I even need to ask who this is because you know, <laughs> I'd almost give you a virtual slap if you if you didn't pick the guy that I've picked um in Richie Wanga. So please don't make me virtual slap you. <laughs> yeah, so uh, first five for South, I've gone with uh, Brett Cameron. <laughs> oh, yeah, Richie, Richie. Go, Richie. Oh, let, let's not go down that path. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, How did that mate, man get, a, get an oh, all black cap? Oh, mate, you can't, you, you cannot take it away from him, though. You know, like I've, I can't, because um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like I said, let's not go down this path. Um, midfield, <laughs> yeah, who have you picked in the midfield? Yeah, it's it's a bit boring, but I've just gone with uh, Jack Good, you and Braden Enor there. Yeah, I think you know, they're pretty tried and true pairing. When, when Braden Enor was out, they didn't didn't take too much of a hit the Crusaders, but I think there's a, you know he left a pretty significant hole, and then coming back, he just added that extra little punch that you know Good who always seems to provide on his with his offloading ability and his um, his ball running. So um, yeah, I think those those two are my safest shout in the midfield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've gone with the exact same pairing. I think that when you talk about the Crusaders missing Braden Enor, I think that was pretty evident in that Hurricanes game. You know, you know, take nothing away from Peter Umanga Jensen, who was man of the match, um, but I think that the the starting centre for the Crusaders, I think it was Fetuli Paya, um, yeah, he, he yep, had a lot one. of trouble, and, and it didn't help that Jack Kudu didn't have his greatest at the office as well and, yeah. and part of that could have been down to him playing with Braden you know for such an extended period that you know like the fact that he was playing with a rookie um, and maybe you know he's maybe trying to do a little bit too much or you know helping to cover some of the flaws that inevitably come when you know you, you're sort of only just being blooded into a team so mm. yeah and yeah he's another one He he's very similar to Iwani in, in that he's a midfielder who has the pace of an outside back, yeah. so he's um he's very good defensively because even if he gets bit first for or a guy breaks the line, he he does have the ability to to chase them down. 
unlike yeah, exactly. maybe what you'd see out of a out of a Leonard Brown or of a um of a Goodhue. So yeah, he's 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 going to be another one that's definitely going to be pushing for for an All Black berth. But yeah, like we said, the All Black coaches are pretty much sport for choice and. I guess with Nani Lamapi's injuries, maybe made that decision a little bit easier to maybe go with uh, Iwani and Anton Leonard Brown. But yeah, it's tough because I, I guess like anyone, you know, those All Blacks have egos and and they all want to start. But mm-hmm. you you know you wouldn't feel disheartened or worried as an All Black supporter if one of them went down with an injury or you had to take one of them off exactly. with twenty minutes to go because you know you're throwing a Jack Goodhue in there, you you're throwing a Braden Eno in there. Yeah who have shown an ability to get the job done. So, yeah, man. Um, outside backs? Uh, George Bridge on one wing, Will Jordan on another, and Geordie Barrett at the back. I think that's, that's a pretty good back three there. Yep. I have gone, gone with the exact with, same. I've gone with the exact same. <laughs> um, there we go. Oh, man. Um, I will let you go. And... Um, yeah, like I always say with you, it's always a pleasure, never a chore to, to check code or just, just anything about life because you, you're just a great human being, Matt. So thank you very thank much you, for, for too, taking mate. some time out tonight to to give me your, your North and South Island team. And yeah, until next time, my man, um, and hopefully that's not too long away. Um, I look forward to actually, well, I, I'd love to break down an all-black game with you. I'm sure we get some test rugby this year. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, like I said, fingers crossed that's not too far away. Sweet, mate. No, pleasure. Thank you very much for that.